Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. Turn to uh, Psalm 73 real quick. We read this uh, on Wednesday. And so I want to read it again because here's a person who was enduring some stress. And, and the reason they were enduring stress is because they had put themselves in the middle and had become very self-conscious. And uh, they began to compare themselves with everyone else around them. And that's one of the things we do uh, even during Christmas time is we begin to compare ourselves. You know, uh, there's a house, two, two, um, two houses down from us. Uh, and... <laughs> And they're putting up all these wonderful lights on the trees and everything, and it's wonderful. It's beautiful. And I, and I, I wrote down my window as I went by. I said, I said, the war is on. <laughs> I was joking because I'm not going to compete. But it was just fun, you know, just in, in fun. But, but people do experience that. They're like, oh, they know they didn't. No, they did not just put Santa on the top of the house, the roof. Well, I would give me something to outdo that, you know. So, so there's a lot of things that can be stressors because of comparison or how many gifts we got or didn't get or is our tree barren or is it full of presents. So here's a guy who is really just dealing, I think, with stress. It says, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. And I was almost gone, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. Now, here's, here's a kicker here. It says they seem to live such painless lives. In other words, he don't, the person really doesn't know what kind of life they're living. He doesn't, no one really knows what's behind the door of the house. We just make assumptions based upon our comparisons. And so we just think, oh, they've got it going on because of this, that, and the other. But that may not necessarily be the case. So it says, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. How many of you know that is not the truth? <laughs> if you live in this world, you've got some issues. You've got some troubles. Some troubles are out there. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have, some, some have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what is difficult 
but what a difficult task it is. Now, how many of you realize that what was this guy's real issue here? Jealousy, man. He was in the middle, wasn't he? He was looking at everyone else around him and not considered who he was. He's a child of God. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a, he is a, 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 a Israelite. In other words, he could claim that God is his Lord. And, and he was looking all around and making all these comparisons and thinking about all that was wrong with his life, not realizing he had the God of life was in his camp. And so, let's just call him a knucklehead for right now. He was being a knucklehead. Then I went into the sanctuary. Listen to this. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. What I want us to see there is that we have to go somewhere to get out of somewhere. In other words, if you are finding yourself in the the middle with self-pity and self-condemnation, and self-unworthiness, and self, 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 self. That is just because you have placed yourself in the middle. Well, I'm going to give you some things today that will get you out of the middle and put you in the sanctuary. So, but then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them in a slippery path and send them slipping, sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instance, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter. And then I realized that my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. (laughs) Yet I still belong to you. Everybody say that. Yet I still belong to you. Boy, that's good. Man, we can just stop right now. Yet I still belong to you. That's what we have to come back to the conclusion of. Yet I still belong to you. And as we go through this Christmas season, we need to come to that acknowledgement. I still belong to you because all kinds of things are going on around us. Yet we still belong to him. All kinds of people are celebrating Christmas for not, knowing, not even knowing why they're celebrating Christmas. They're having a hoop hollering good time. They're doing all kinds of stuff. And they have no idea what it's all about. But we still belong to him. He says, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? And I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. God is the strength of our hearts. Amen. God is the strength of my heart. So we got to remind ourselves of that as we go through this, this time of the season. That we don't get caught up in all of the things that create stress because all of that creates bitterness and anger. And then we can push back and say, well, I was foolish. 
I was foolish to begin to think like that. But here's some things that we're going to share this morning that I think are going to help you immensely. All right? So this is a this is a this is a information kind of a message, all right? We're going to use scripture to give information. So let's look at some things here. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to the first thing that we're going to talk about that will help you to eliminate stress. Number one, be thankful. <laughs> Pretty simple, isn't it? To be thankful. Anytime we start complaining and murmuring and comparing, this means that we're not being thankful for the, what we do have. So listen to these scriptures. Starting out with um, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So what we're going to do during this time of the season uh, we're going to guard our hearts, and here's how we're going to guard our hearts so it doesn't leak out, it doesn't get bit, bitter and, and harsh and mean, is we're going to be thankful. It says, don't worry or don't be anxious about anything, but instead give thanks for everything. And, and in one scripture it says, and the peace of God will guard your hearts. So when we get in a place of thankfulness, and I'm talking about in every place. I don't care if you go out to dinner this afternoon and you receive food, but the service behind the food wasn't that good, you still be thankful. Just, just generate thankfulness. Man, one of the worst things in the world is to be around someone who f complains and murmurs about everything, who is critical, has a critical spirit. I don't even want to be around that person. I don't want to be around that person because that person just changes the atmosphere in a negative way, brings a dark cloud around. I don't want to be around that kind of individual. And you know what? The Bible even says this. It says, it says don't, 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 don't allow good habits to be spoiled. And some people can spoil good habits just by being a complainer and a murmurer. You may even have some family members like that. You may even have some brothers and sisters in Christ like that. I just heard just recently a person was talking about uh, how in the Bible it talks about some Christians not to hang out with. Some Christians. that Not every Christian qualifies as a person that, that you can hang out with. Because some people, they have a negative bent. They complain, they murmur about everything. Let's be a people who are known by our thankfulness. That we're just thankful all the time. So listen to a few more scriptures here in regards to that. So that you'll know that I'm just not pulling out one scripture. But here's a sum total of some scriptures. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. So that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. How? May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. What? How do I get, how am I filled with joy? Always thanking. Always thanking the Father. Well, and you know, the Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? So if we begin to feel our strength depleting, it means that our joy level is also depleting. So what do we do? We go into the sanctuary and we begin to give thanks. Give thanks to the Father. Be thankful. Be known as thankful people. Thankful. It says, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Everybody say amen. It's just, that's like, you know, in those old game shows they used to say they would have uh, the laughing thing or telling the audience when to laugh. That's, I'm going to have a little thing that goes up here. It says, uh, uh, amen meter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the time to say amen. Listen, listen, listen. It says, he has, he has rescued us. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom. When? The kingdom of his dear son. When? Now. That's where we are. We're in the kingdom of God's son right now. What, what do we have to complain about? What do we have to be unthankful for? We're in the kingdom of God's dear son right now who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That's, our, that's who we are right now. That's what we have right now. We're in the kingdom right now. And so we should be very thankful for that. Thankful that we are no longer in that place anymore. And, 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 and listen, here's what I want you to know. No matter what you're going through, the end result of everything in your life is going to be so good. <laughs> Listen to me. I don't care what you're going through right now. The end for all of us who are believers in Christ Jesus is good. We're, we're heading for good. I said we're heading for good. That's what we can be thankful for, that we're in the kingdom of God's dear son right now. We have it all right now. So, so here, here's some things that I want you to understand. Thankfulness keeps us conscious of God. So when we're thankful, we get out of the middle. Let me show you what I mean by that. Let me have a quick, quick, quickly, give me have about uh, five people to get up here because you're working on my time. The quicker you get up here, the quicker we're going to be done. If you don't get up here quick, then guess what? We'll be here until 1 o'clock. You better move. Anyone else? Thank you. Come on up. I need about five people. Just five people. Come, come on. It, 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 it's, it's, yeah, that's five. Okay. Make a, come on. Make a circle around me. Circle around me. Circle around me. Circle around me. All right. So right there, right there. Now, what am I conscious of right now? Especially this one right here. Yeah, I'm, I'm punched that one. <laughs> but I'm conscious. I'm conscious of you all. But the very moment I start giving thanks. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I praise your name, Lord Jesus. 
I give you glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, you're so good to me. I get out of the middle. I'm no longer self-conscious anymore. I'm now conscious of God. And my perspective changes. I can't see you here because I can only see these guys. I'm just, they're, they're, they're masking. They're, 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 they're causing me not to be able to see clearly. But I move outside of the circle, outside of the middle, and now I can see everyone else. I'm conscious of, of God. And most of us live, though, right here. Y'all walk with me. When I, when I go a different direction, y'all go around me. Y'all just walk. We're just, this, is, this is our life. We don't know it, but we're living with about five or ten people every day. Yes, yes, man. We're, we're, with, we're, with, we're with about ten people because we are concerned about everything everyone else thinks about us. Excuse me. Go ahead. Thank you all. Appreciate it. So give them a hand. They got up here. Yes, sir. So, so think about it this, this way. Uh, God showed me this the other day. Why even struggle with that which you cannot control? Why well, try to fight something that you will never be able con to control? I can't, con there's, I don't know how many people here this morning, but whatever you think about this message today, I can't control it. So why would I struggle with it? Oh, I wonder if they got it. Oh, I wonder if I said that right. Oh, I think, no, I, I can't do that. That's just weight that I don't need to carry because I can't ever do anything about it. Why do we struggle and fight with things we can never ever do anything about. I can never control how you think about me. Never. And yet we spend so much time worrying about what other people are thinking about us. Start giving thanks. Start giving thanks. Start giving thanks. Here's another thing right here. Thankfulness is the fuel of joy. Thankfulness reminds us of what God has done for us. Thankfulness stirs up our faith. Thankfulness strengthens our resolve and causes us to persevere. All of those benefits of just being thankful. I'm going to be thankful, people. Through this season, I'm going to be thankful. This may be a different season. It may be the same kind of season. We may be able to get a whole lot of presents or not so many presents. It doesn't really matter because in the midst of it all, I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to give thanks. And let's just do that. And the way we do it on a regular basis, the way you become conscious of thankfulness is do it all the time. Do it even to the people that you don't like. <laughs> Thank you for making me a better person, <laughs> you know. You know, thank you for helping me to walk in out forgiveness. Thank you for helping me to walk in love. Thank you. There's so many reasons we can give thanks. All right, several other scriptures along those lines that, that just kind of reiterate it. I won't go through all of them, but uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 18. It says, 
Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, give thanks to God for everything. Even that mean old, honorary old person that maybe you have to work with or be around, give thanks for them because they're working for your good. They're sharpening us up. They're smoothing out our edges or they're causing us to be sharper. Let peace, let the peace of God rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Colossians 3 verse 15, and be thankful. So I think there's a tie to thankfulness and peace. Peace. And so we want to be peace and be in the midst of peace and be surrounded by peace. One of the, uh, one of the um, uh, opportunities we had while we were on the plane, I met a, young, a gentleman, uh, not plane, ship. I met a gentleman uh, that was um, with us, and, I, and we happened to, um, he was behind me in the line, and, and he was telling me that, that he had been on his, this would be his 31st cruise ship, uh, cruise and so but he was doing it alone. He, he, wasn't, he was there all by himself. And so we began to talk a little bit, and he had come down from, I think, Wisconsin, uh, to, to, uh, to, uh, uh, which was rare in and of itself. I think they said about 95% of the people drove in. So it was nothing but South Carolina folk and North Carolina folk on that. And that was a, we just, yeah, we felt right at home. But this guy was there. And uh, so uh, Kim and I invited him. I invited him over to our table to eat with us. And he began to share a little bit about his life. And he began to share about how he had lost his wife uh, five or six years ago. And, um, and, uh, and that uh, his son and his, his family had just moved in with them. He had sold one house and bought a bigger home for, so his, his uh, children, his son, could come and live with him. Uh, and, and he said, my son was having some challenges in his life. And so we, we talked, and we talked about, you know, just surfacey stuff versus football and different things. And then, then we got into the heart of some matters. And so in the end, we said, you know, would you mind if I pray with you? And I, he said, sure. And uh, so we prayed with him. And I, no, I said, is there anything I can pray with you about? He said, yes. He said, could you pray about my son? He said, he's going through some real challenges. Would you mind praying? So we, we sat there and prayed with him. And... Um, uh, and my wife said, who's we? I said, me and the Holy Spirit. She said, who's we? But it should be that. When, you, when, you re, when you're talking about praying, always include the Holy Spirit. Say, we, we prayed for him. So me and the Holy Spirit prayed for him, and peace came. I mean, peace came. And you could see it at the table, and he started to weep. because He had on shades, so you really couldn't see it, but you could tell there had been an impact because we were able. We're distributors of peace. That's what we distribute. And, and not as the world gives, but only as God can give. The Prince of Peace. We carry him. And we're able to offer that to people during this season like no one else can. When I say can, they don't have the ability. Because everything there's, that the world has to offer is always circumstantial. Peace is based upon circumstance. But we can give things to people in the midst of hardships that no one else can. We can't, we can't give them entertainment. 
We can't give them uh, amusement and all those other things, but we give them the something that the world can't give them, and that is peace. We can give them peace. We can give them peace. And we should be doing that over this season. You see somebody by themselves, it ain't right. Now, listen, I'm not talking about somebody walking alone, you know. I'm talking about people who are alone, alone. We can give them peace. Okay? Second thing, what do you think? Let me just take a survey right quick. Got a few more minutes here, and I won't, I won't push this a lot, but I'm telling you, this one will change your life as well. Along, Thanksgiving, along with this right here, are big deals. What do you think the second part of, of, and this is part of the renewing of the mind, and a tremendous stress remover or reliever? Anyone want to take a guess? Prayer, most definitely, and then it's, it will be included. Attitude, yes, most definitely. But this will help you change attitude. What? Praise and worship. Okay, that definitely will work. Mindset, definitely. This will change your mindset. Exercise, my wife said. Lord, where'd she get that from? We want something that people will do, baby. <laughs> yeah, exercise definitely does help. The word, yes, indeed. Most definitely. But here's, here it is. Here it is, and it's a beautiful thing. I want to read you a statement just so that you can get it from a scientist because I know some of you trust science more than you trust the Word of God. But science only validates the Word of God. All right? So here it is. Listen to this. <clears throat> Under closer observation, glossolalic utterances are beginning to look more like goal-directed actions. Glossolalic utterances are beginning to look more like goal-directed actions and less like involuntary outbursts. In the Newberg study, subjects claimed to have no control over their speech patterns during an episode of glossolalia but they were able to begin tongue speaking more or less on demand while being scanned. It seems to be something that someone can ready themselves to do, but once they are fully into it, they experience being taken over by it, Newberg said. The people who, were, who we studied certainly were not in their usual state of consciousness and required some effort to stop them from the practice. They also seemed to require several minutes before coming back into their usual state. If glossolalia is partly voluntary but does not affect the brain like concentrative meditation, then what exactly does it do? In a 2011 report in the American Journal of Human Biology, biological anthropologist Christopher Lynn and co-workers at the University of Albany defined glossolalia as an embodied pattern of religious behavior that with biological outcomes and tentatively demonstrated that one of those outcomes may be the reduction of biological stress. 
Lynn's team found that glossolalia was associated with both reduction in the circulatory cortisol and enhancement in alpha ami, I'm going to say amylase, amylase enzymes. I don't know if that's correct or not. Amylase, does that sound right? Did I say that right? All right, okay. Told you I'm a little smarter than the average bear. Amylase enzyme activity, two common biomakers, biomarkers of stress reduction that can be measured in saliva. Cortisol is a stress hormone responsible for familiar stress response known as fight or flight reaction. Alpha amylase is an arousal enzyme that is sensitive to quick environmental changes and involves adrenaline release in the sympathetic nervous system. Um, Lynn studied 52 Pentecostals in New York Hudson Valley found that in the experience of glossolalia dampened reactions to normal daily stressors. Speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues along with thanksgiving will cause your stress to go down. See, say, say some folk think we're crazy. No, we're not crazy. Matter of fact, they even said this, and I got a whole list of reports. I can't read them all. But they said this, that those who speak in tongues, think about this for a minute, they are, their studies show that they're less likely to have mental illness. I'm going to speak in tongues all the time. I don't care if people think I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. Matter of fact, I'm getting better. Now, why? What's the, what, how does the scripture say about this? I really want to, I'm putting this out there. What you do with it is your business. But I'm just telling you that God has given us a tool that surpasses what the world can do. It, it, listen, it, it even, they said that when they look at meditation versus uh, speaking in tongues, they said that meditation is it, it does not because it, there's a measure of control that the, the person has to have to stay focused. But speaking in tongues requires nothing from us other than the use of our tongues. I've been doing a lot more lately, man. I like, boy, I'm, I, I've been praying more because I used to do it all the time and I still do it in prayer, but I've been emphasizing it. And getting into a place where, where literally I have to come back. So, so just so that you will know this to be true out of the scripture as well. Because this is just, this doesn't precede scripture, does it? It's not right because the scientists say it's right. It's right because the word of God says it is. So listen to this. I'm not going to cover all the scriptures that you'll get back uh, uh, when they're ministering on, on uh, tongues. Uh, but I do want to cover a few. And so let's go to, are y'all up for this? And we're just going to talk just normal, all right? We're just going to look at this very normal. You know, I'm not going to scream, yell, or holler, or shout, nothing else. You're just going to see this right through the word of God for yourselves. All right, here we go. 
So let's look at first, let's look at um, Luke 11. And this just kind of gives you uh, an initial thought. And then we won't, we won't stay in all of the other things that kind of build on this. But look at Luke 11. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive and you, and you ask what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Verse 9. Verse 9. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open. Your, you fathers, if you, your children ask for a fish, do you give him a snake? Instead, or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Or of course, of course not. So if you, you, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In other words, here we find in Scripture that Jesus is is alluding to something that will come, and He says, "The best thing I can give you, apart from what the Holy Spirit does in the new birth." is give you the Holy Spirit as one, I think he's saying here, as one that can, can enhance your life spiritually. Someone that will enhance, give you the ability to live a supernatural life. Okay? So here are the scriptures that we want to look at. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I mean, what did I tell you? I say 1 Corinthians. Acts. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 5. If you can put that up there for me. Acts 1 and verse 5. It says, John the Baptist with, uh, with water. John the baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were... Uh, were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power, that word power means dunamis, which means uh, explosive ability, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses telling people about me. So the first thing he says, he tells them, he says that wait for the Holy Spirit for you're going to receive power. And in that power, he says, you're going to receive dunamis or divine supernatural ability. So that's one of the benefits there. That's not necessarily what I wanted to get to today, but I'm just building it up uh, to some things. So now let's turn, if you would, uh, to Acts chapter 19. And I'm leaving out quite a few scriptures in between that will also build the case. But for the sake of time, we want to look at Acts chapter 19. First one says, while at Apollos in Corinth. Now, I want you to read these with non-traditional, non-religious eyes, okay? Read this like you just came into church for the first time and you got born again and you want to know everything there is to know about this faith, all right? So we got that on? That's the lens we're using. It says, when Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. What were they? He said he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. 
Now, if I put this out here before many of you have heard me teach on this, already know the question. Why is that an odd question based upon what some people think you get when you are receive Jesus Christ? Well, maybe I didn't teach it well. The question is, why is that an odd question for Paul to have asked? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? How many of you, how many of you are believers? Okay, if you're a believer, why would it be an odd question for someone to ask you, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Excuse me? To make them aware, okay. It does make them aware, but, but what, does it, what does it infer? That, that believing is separate from what? From receiving the Holy Spirit. So there must have been an act in which a person could actually come into belief and faith in Jesus Christ and still have not yet received the Holy Spirit. Right? Otherwise, that wouldn't be a fair question, would it? Is everyone with me? We only, we only ask questions like that if, for whatever reason, there's something that's missing. Like if I were asking my wife, um, uh, did you put um, um, salt in it? Right? It would be presupposed once I ate the food that something was left out. And I think that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, did you, did you, did you put everything into it? When you believed, did you put everything in it? In other words, did you, did you also receive the Holy Spirit? And I think he was... I think it was like this. He tasted it, and he said, something's missing. Now, here's what we're going to find out about this particular group. It says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So that goes back to, I think, Luke 11, which said, ask the Father, and he will give you the Holy Spirit. It says, no, they replied, we haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. But what baptism did you, did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. What was John's baptism? John's baptism was the baptism of repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. So they were, they were believers in the sense that they believed in, in John's baptism that Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, and be ready, repent. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come after him, the meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. What happened to them? Come on, class. What happened to them? They received Christ. They came down front or whatever, and they received Jesus into their lives. They received Jesus in their life. And what happened after that? And it says, and then, what does then mean? Same time? No, after, after they had received Jesus Christ, then Paul laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So we see here that, that at the time that they received Christ, they didn't have it all. Nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. That's excellent. That's great. You're going to go to heaven. We need some tools while we're down here. 
Because life is tough. Life is difficult. And some of it, some of it is so difficult that we have to bypass our mind to get through it. All right, half time. Everybody stand to your feet real quick. We're going to get through this because you need this before you go into the Christmas season. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 14, verse 1. All right, here's the benefits. Here's, here's what has been documented through science. These next few scriptures are going to show you what science has caught up with. But we've known it all the time, haven't we? We've known it all the time. Science is just catching up. You may be seated. It's halftime. Some of y'all really, y'all like, oh, my goodness. How long has it been? It's been... All right, we're going to get through this, okay? All right, so let, let love be, verse 1, that love be your highest goal, but you should also desire special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability of prophesy, to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit. Now, Sometimes we'll read this and we'll read it with very religious eyes and we'll say, oh, oh, the, the speaking in tongues is not that important. It's not as important as prophesying. And what prophesying is, is simply hearing what God says and speaking it. And being able to edify and build other people up by what you, you, sometimes we don't even know that people have actually prophesied to us by, by saying something like, oh, and we're thinking, oh, how do you know that? Or oh, how did they know that I was even dealing with that? Well, that's a prophetic utterance. That's a prophetic word. It's not talking about prophets as in a prophet. It's talking about people who will hear something from God and, you know, I need to, I need to call so-and-so up and, give them, and, and tell them I, I sense that God's given me something. That, that, that is for that, whose edification? For another person's edification, right? He said, but for you personally, in our own personal life, what's going to give us the best way of, of in this sense, stress-free living being built up is this right here. He says, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit. But it will be all be a mystery. In other words, he's saying when we pray in other tongues, we are talking directly to God. It's bypassing, it's bypassing our, our thoughts because we control them, don't we? We control language, right? And sometimes we ask amiss because we didn't control it that well. But he says, in this way, when we're praying in the Spirit or praying in other tongues, he says, we pray directly to God. How many of you like that idea altogether? To, to be able to directly talk to God. Directly talk to God. And then he says this, 
when you are talking to, to be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the Holy Spirit, but if but it will be a mystery. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened how? Personally. So what? So, so I might not get a word from someone. Someone may not speak to me a prophetic word. But I can go and build myself up. I can charge myself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. That's good. See, we, we've, we've discounted in this scripture. A lot of people build a case against um, uh, speaking in tongues by using these scriptures. Paul is not building a case against it. Matter of fact, Paul says at the end of this, I thank my God I pray in tongues more than ye all. I will pray in the spirit. I will pray in English or whatever your language is. I will sing in the spirit. I will sing. In, a, in other words, I, what's beneficial for me is praying in the Spirit. What's beneficial for you is me to prophesy. And so, so man, I'm, if I can just lay this on you right now, take advantage of praying in the Spirit. Take advantage of glossolalia. Take advantage of, you can get up in the morning, you can ride down the street, you can go all day, and people, don't, you don't have to, it's not for other people, necessarily. It's for you, it's for me to build ourselves up, especially during this season, to pray in the Spirit, pray regularly in the Spirit, pray, take some time. You may start out with five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever the case may be, begin to pray in the spirit. Why? Look at Jude chapter, uh, Jude 20. Jude 20, real quick. Jude 20. And again, I'm leaving out uh, several scriptures, but I, I need you to see this. Jude 20. Jude 20. How many chapters does Jude have? All right. It's not necessary to say one. Some of you told on yourself, what chapter? <laughs> what, 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 you didn't say the chapter. We know who'd been reading the Bible and who hadn't. <laughs> Jude 20. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit? I believe it's talking about praying in other tongues. In, in, the, in the King James Version, or New King James Version, it reads a little differently. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. We can build ourselves up. We can build ourselves up. And, and guess what? When, when we're praying in the Holy Spirit, you may not be aware of what you're saying, but it is having an impact on your thoughts. It's having an impact on your mind. It's having an impact on the peace that you have. So, so why, would, why would God give this to someone but not everyone? Why would I keep a gift from my children that could benefit all my children? 
We need to ask those kinds of questions. Well, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't pray. Uh, we don't speak in tongues in our church. We, 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 we think it left with the early church. Well, where did you read that from? Did it, do you have a scripture or a verse in the Bible that says, and tongues left with the early church? There is nothing there. And this is how we benefit today, and that's why science is, is proving it, is because it is a means whereby we're able to edify, edify, build up, charge ourselves up, spend time this season, and always, really, praying in the Holy Ghost, building up for yourself on your most holy faith. You know, back in Acts chapter 2, when they heard him speaking uh, in tongues on the day of Pentecost, guess what they heard him speaking? The wonderful works of God in their own native languages. And the more we rehearse the wonderful works of God, I believe that's why the stress levels go down. Even though we may not be aware of it, I believe that's why the stress levels go down because we are rehearsing, running over and over, the wonderful works of God. So I highly encourage you, those of you that are not yet Filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking other tongues, and those of you that are filled but just haven't stopped, just kind of stopped, just kind of the, the the just the rivers of living water just kind of dried up. I want you to get back in there again. I want you to begin to pray in the Spirit again. I want you to begin to to take time during your day in the morning or whatever and pray in the Holy Ghost until you reach a place I believe that is near near. I was going to say Nirvana, but I was not going to say that. That is so close that you, you literally know that something has happened to me during this prayer time. And it will. I'm telling you, I, I can't explain it. I don't know why it is that way. But I know when I get to a place of praying in the Spirit, there's something that takes place in my thoughts that makes me feel and seem as though everything is okay. You, you hear the, it's like... You get up there. Can anyone attest to that? Well, you've prayed and you've prayed and you got to a place. And, this, and listen to me. Listen, sometimes people make it, uh, you know, I, and they want everybody to see. And it's not for that. Now, we pray sometimes corporately, and we pray in the Holy Ghost. If you come in here uh, on a, on a uh, Sunday morning or you come to our uh, prayers on, on Thursdays, you're going to hear people praying in the Spirit collectively because, because everybody there, for the most part, are, are good with it. Now, in a setting like this, we would, we would, we would do things decently and in order. And it, it needs to have the gift of interpretation. But I'm telling you, we are a supernatural church. With supernatural people who have been given a supernatural ability to talk to God in a supernatural language. That's who we are. Take advantage of it. Don't just leave it there for, for when you have the ability to, to talk to God directly. There's one other one that, that we won't go, to, uh, uh, won't go to the scripture, but it says in Romans chapter uh, 8, I think verse 26, it says that, that the Holy Spirit will help our infirmities or our abilities of not knowing exactly what to pray for as we ought. Now, I know I've delved out a lot of information today. And some of y'all just hanging on. 
You're just hanging in there. Just hang in there. I want you to, because you need this. I'm telling you, if you do those two things, be thankful and begin to pray in tongues. And get out of the middle. Stop thinking about, well, we, I, didn't, I haven't learned it this way. I, I was, if I, if I can close, I, I was with a minister one time. He was a Baptist minister, good guy. He used to be in this community, has since left. And so we were having lunch one day, and, and he was, uh, we were talking about uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I began to show him scripture, what the Word of God says about it. And he's a, he's a learned guy, been to uh, theology and seminary and, and all of that. He said, I'd never heard it taught like that before. He says, I'd never, no one's ever taught, I mean, going through seminary, no one's ever taught it like this. I, I've never seen it like this. And what I, what I would say the problem is with that is this, is that, is that sometimes we teach out of our religious backgrounds as opposed to teaching what the Word actually says. And sometimes we have to take the lens off and put it over on the side and put a whole new lens on so that we can benefit from it. Paul did. Listen. Paul, who wrote more than any other books in the Bible, more books in the Bible than anyone else, better yet, he was a firm believer in speaking in other tongues. So, I believe it's, we should follow suit. All right? Amen. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.